business is a competition. There are winners and losers. There's always someone trying to take your business away. And in business, just like sports, there are players, there are coaches, and there is a scoreboard. Welcome to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Whether you're a manager, executive, business owner, salesperson, or entrepreneur, The Business Locker Room is a show that will create content and conversations that will help you improve your business. Now, let's join your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, hey, great to have you on the show today. Lots of good things today you want to stick around, especially if you're in sales, as we have had a number of sales shows recently. This is going to be another one of those great ones. I'm really excited. In just a few minutes, we'll be joined by Jill Conrath. Of course, if you're in sales, you will probably recognize her name. She's got a great new book out we're going to talk about. It is called Agile Selling. Agile Selling, and I'm looking forward to talking about the book with her. But a lot of things going forward we're going to get into. This is the show with compelling conversations, useful content that you can use to improve your business today. Whether you're a sales rep, a manager, a business owner, an executive, an entrepreneur, or you just have an interest in marketing, social media, business strategy, certainly the Business Locker Room is the show for you. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. I am your host. I'm Kelly Riggs. You can find me online on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. And certainly you can check out all of our past shows, future shows at bizlockerroom.com. It has been a, a wild day, to say the very least. Uh, we almost did not have a show today. That's a whole nother story. Uh, but we do have a great show in front of you. Miles Austin will join us in the X's and O's segment, and we will talk about O-Funnel. And I don't know where he finds these tools, but I am excited to talk to Miles and find out more about this particular tool and how it can make our lives easier as business owners, executives, entrepreneurs, salespeople, and so forth. Thanks to Michael Sergit. He's on the other side of the glass engineering our show, and we've got a good one lined up, as we mentioned. Agility is the new competitive advantage. Think about that statement a little bit. Jill Conrath wrote uh, her book just recently. It was published in May, uh, just a little more than 30 days ago, and it has been a... Uh, bestseller to absolutely taken off. But she talks about the concept of agility and asserts that agility is the new competitive advantage. I agree with her, and we're going to talk about why. But today's sales environment is changing so fast, even the very best salespeople are being pushed to the limits. And that means that companies and salespeople who do re need to be able to respond and adapt more quickly than the competition if they're going to be have any chance to be successful. And that's why I invited her in to talk about uh, this book. That she's written a couple of others, by the way. Snap Selling was the number one Amazon bestseller. Selling to Big Companies, her first book, was called by Fortune Magazine a must-read. Jill has been around and been in the world of selling for a long, a long time, grew up with IBM, and some of her clients are the kinds of clients you would expect. Wells Fargo, Microsoft, GE, Staples, numerous mid-market firms. Uh, more importantly, her newsletters are read by over 125,000 sellers worldwide, and it is great to have her on board. Jill, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thanks for having me today, Kelly. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, you've just you have a phenomenal career. Clearly, you were very successful as a salesperson, but now as a consultant, a trainer, and, and a very successful speaker, you've done well as well. And for someone like me, I understand what it takes to be successful in that realm, too. You're still very much in the world of selling today in selling training and consulting services and speaking services as well. Tell us a, tell us a little bit about this. This is your second career, if you will. Tell me, tell me how that started and, <laughs> and, and how it's come along. Well, this is my second career. This might be my fifth or sixth career, if you, sure. you know, want to be realistic about it. But you know, I actually did start at Xerox, and then I moved into technology sales, and then I worked for a um, services firm selling training services, but ultimately just felt really compelled to um, do things on my own. And so I actually started a sales consultancy where I worked um, launching new products, but about 10 years ago, I sort of lost everything and had to restart because uh, my biggest clients came under pressure from Wall Street and they chopped all external resources. So I've been in the reinvention process for the last 10 years, learning along with everybody because the world of sales has changed so much. You know, I, I said you grew up with uh, IBM and, and I clearly I misspoke. You grew up with Xerox and I know you get tremendous training, especially sales training at Xerox. Uh, how did how did that work for you? Was that a big uh, part of getting started in, in what you do now? 
Oh, it was a tremendous advantage to go to work for a company that had a strong training program and and um, really invested in their salespeople. I think in the last few years, you've seen fewer and fewer companies, except the big boys, um, invest in their salespeople. And a lot of people are hired these days and told, uh, you know, come on in and you know, here's everything you need to know in this stack. And if you've got some questions, talk to Jimbo over there and, you know, go get them. And that's the message. And a lot of uh, salespeople are really struggling uh, because they don't, they're not onboarded properly. And I'm even talking about experienced sales pros as well, because every new job requires um, you to learn something new about the market, the customers, you know, the value proposition, the business case, et cetera. You bet. I want to talk at length about your book, Agile Selling. But before yeah. we do, you said something really important, and I don't want to let it get away from us. And that is, you know, 10 years ago, you you had to restart. Uh, many times people look at people like you, they see, yeah. they see success, they see you know, they, they've never really been where I've been. They don't understand what it's like to have to scratch and claw or you know, lose a, a big customer or client, but that is not you, Jill. You, you've you actually been <laughs> at the very bottom. That, oh, yeah. would, that would crush some people. T tell me about what it takes to, to recover from something like that. Well, let me just say I walked through the valley of death for a couple of years. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, at least that's how it felt. And I remember at one point, you know, and I'm running my own business and and I'm living off of my uh, earned, my previous year's income. And, you know, as time went by, my husband once said to me, Jill, are you ever going to work again? And I said to him, you know, I think so. I mean, I think so. But I just kept moving forward, trying to figure out what it was that I needed to bring to the market. And what, you know, because clearly something, the market had shifted, but I had also shifted and I needed to figure out what was my bigger purpose in moving forward because doing the same old thing wasn't exciting to me anymore, too. So it, it was really hard. I mean, there's, there's no... There's no two cents about it. I mean, it wasn't easy. It was the worst couple of years of my life. But without those couple of years, I would not be in the position I am today to, because I was forced to go back to the thinking mode. And it's not often when you're in your 50s, you know, when you turn 50, that suddenly you're thrown back into the total learner mode. But, yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. You know, but when you do, you don't go back to ground zero. You bring with you all your wisdom that you're able then to incorporate once you figure out what the new paradigm is saying is required. Well, you you know, you, you make a really good point there. I've, I've known a lot of people in their mid to late 50s who, having been laid off or, or lost their job for one reason or another, uh, almost almost give up. It's like, who is going to hire someone at my age? Uh, how do I reinvent myself? But clearly it's possible, and especially nowadays, uh, Jill, you know, as much as 50 sounds older to me, I mean, I'm 53, but... Oh, my God, you're that old? Yeah, but but not really. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really not that old anymore. If you have people working in right. their 60s and their 70s, there's plenty of time to reinvent. Right. But it, it's not the skills that you need. I, I think you put your finger on it. It's it's the purpose. It's the drive. You've, you've got to find a reason to go out and want to scratch and claw again. Right. right, and you know what? The reality of it is, and I'll just speak to agility right now, um... For many years as a consultant, my, my primary job was to work in the gap between sales and marketing on new product introductions. And many, many times I was um, brought into companies and I was probably doing 8 to 10 to 12 launches a year. And I had to, within a two-month period, I had to quickly immerse myself in understanding their product, their marketplace, their customers, the sales process. And then I had to create sales playbooks and training programs for the salespeople. And I had to learn, I had to do this quickly. So the reality of it is, is the one thing that I bring to the table that I have always carried with me that I'm bringing now is, is I'm bringing my, I know how to learn fast. And I think research on sales also shows that short-term success is crucial for long-term success. So unless you can learn how to get up to speed quickly or to adjust to changing conditions quickly, then you're not going to be successful. So agility is just an absolute crucial skill. Nobody ever addresses it. Nobody ever trains us on how to do it. And yet it defines our success. We're talking with Jill Conrath. She is the author of Agile Selling, the third book that Jill has written in the sales profession and uh, certainly one that I highly encourage you to get, recently wrote a review for it. I found it to be quite helpful. And, and I think you're onto something specific here because 
a lot of people talk about, Jill, that, you know, you need to adapt to change. There's nothing that's more constant than change. Certainly the technological revolution has a lot to do with that. But you actually talk about how. I mean, there is step by step. This is how you adapt to change. This is how you learn quickly. This is how you respond to the marketplace. And I found that to be compelling. Is, is that something you did naturally or did you just sort of develop these ideas over, over a period of time? How, how, did, how did this become a book? It became a book because, uh, because well, it's sort of a confluence of factors. After Snap Selling came out, um, and Snap Selling is about how to sell to today's frazzled customers. It's really about strategies to work with somebody who's really busy and overwhelmed and doesn't answer the phone, doesn't respond to your voice, emails, voicemails, um, and disappears into a black hole even when they're interested. And I spent a year studying that because suddenly I saw that this crazy busyness was impacting all of our ability to be successful. But it was like, as soon as that book came out, what happened is salespeople would come up to me and they'd say, Jill, this book is so helpful and you've given me so many good ideas on selling and they're working. I'm so excited, but I'm crazy busy too. What do you have for me? <laughs> How can you help me? And, and for a long time, I just would say, well, I'm not a time management expert. And in fact, I kind of suck at time management. So don't ask <laughs> me about that kind of thing. You sure. laugh. But it's true, Kelly. I'm not good at time management. Uh, yeah, I found lots of salespeople are not that good at time yeah. management. Yeah. But there is one thing when I stopped to think about it. I mean, first of all, you, you should know I heard that question lots and lots of times. So my brain is going, what do I have to offer these people? What do I have to offer these people? They're clearly frustrated and, you know, and overwhelmed and and finally it just dawned on me that it wasn't that they were it wasn't about being more productive that I could help them it was about learning things faster because that was a skill set I had and nobody and I stopped to go and looked around and went, nobody's talking about how to learn they're just saying here's more more learn it learn it learn it you know and it, you know, Miles is talking later, but he's the king of technology. He knows that I'm I'm totally bad with technology. And for me, learning technology is very hard. I'm not the only person out there who's like that, you know. And so learning technology at the same time, you have to learn a new market, a new product, a new customer. What could be worse if you don't know how to learn fast? You bet. Well, we're going to take a time out, Jill. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to talk much more about your book, Agile Selling. So stick around, everybody. Much more to come. You're listening to The Business Locker Room on Voice America. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One -on -one Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step -step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. And welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Business Locker Room. Again, the show with compelling conversations like the one we're having with Jill Conrath. Useful content that you can use to improve your business every single day. And that's what we strive to do is to bring you content that you can take back and begin to improve your performance right away. Jill, we pick back up talking about your book, Agile Selling, just released, is doing very, very well. And, and we, we talked about the reason for it. Now, let's talk about some of the pieces and parts. Let's let's 
let's give some content today that comes right out of the book and right out of your experience. If I, if I want to become more agile, more responsive to change that I'm faced with every single day, give me the short course or give me a couple of ideas that I can use. <laughs> the short course. Okay, let me just rattle off the whole book in about two seconds. How's yeah, that? that, that you know, we live in that society today, <laughs> Jill. You and I are I older. Know. Okay. I know. Okay, so let me just say that, you know, as I was looking at this concept of agile selling and what do people need to understand in order to be successful at it, what I realized is that there was there were three things that were crucial. Number one was the mindset. Because people who are agile sellers have a different mindset. And I'll come back and talk about that. Number two was the actual fundamental skill of learning fast. And there's different things. How do you learn new information fast? And how do you learn new skills fast? Because they're very different. Because skills are the application of the knowledge. And skills are, are, you know, it's one thing to remember something and know it. It's another thing to use what you remember. And then finally, there's the discipline or the habits of agile sellers. And so the book covers all three segments. But if you want to start out with something really practical right now, let's do something with the mindset, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay, the first thing we have to realize with the mindset is that agile sellers, well, first of all, learning something new is totally uncomfortable um, for any of us, whether you're an experienced pro or a newbie and it sometimes it's even more 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 hard that's not the word harder it is harder yes <laughs> it is harder for those of us who uh, have had success in the past to learn something new because we're used to feeling in control and competent and to have to actually try something where we're not good is is very discouraging and from what i see we often give up and quickly say, well, that's not going to work. I already tried it. didn't work. So agile sellers put themselves into a learning mode and they suspend judgment on, on if something is going to work or not. And they view things as experiments and tests. And so they say, I'm going to try this. And I'm going to keep experimenting with it. And I will never, ever, ever let the word failure hit my radar screen because I'm, I refuse to fail. Instead, everything I do is a valuable learning experience. And if it doesn't work, it is simply data. Data. It's feedback. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. I mean, when you think about it, there really many times the difference between someone who perseveres and succeeds and, and someone who gives up is only that. I mean, it is only a mindset. It is. It's only a mindset. And and I think a lot of people don't realize that because they very quickly dismiss something as not workable or or they say, I guess I just don't have what it takes. And the reality of it is, you know, sales is a skill. The information that has to be learned is just simply information. And, you know, um, if you stick with it, you will learn it. So what you have to do is you have to learn to accept the uncomfortable feelings is just part of the learning process. And you have to just keep saying, you know, I'm, I'm focused on getting better. Mastery is not in my mind right now. I'm simply focused on getting better. And to do that, I will experiment and I will have a lot of feedback that will enable me to learn and apply it and to grow and to try some new ways and to fine tune it because we have to buy ourselves time. And mentally, most people quit way too soon. In fact, oftentimes they quit right before the breakthrough would occur. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you make a, an incredibly valid point. And that is salespeople, Jill, are, are very used to creating objectives and goals uh, for revenue, for profitability, oh, yeah. for the amount of clients they contact and on and on. Or there's a metric for everything in, in that world. But when it comes to having a metric for growing and learning and acquiring new knowledge, you don't see that very often. You never see people really focusing on that. And the truth of the matter is, I mean, I think I write about it in the book, too, when I saw Tiger Woods. I mean, when he was back in the tournament circuit last year after being off it for a couple of years and he won his second tournament, I heard him being interviewed. And I remember just being astounded to his response to the question, so how do you think you're doing, Tiger? And he just looked right at the cameraman and he smiled. And he said, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, Tiger Woods knows that the, his ability to win is a function of improving his grip, changing his swing, you know, uh, changing his stance, looking at how he addresses the ball, understanding the golf course and the strategy better. He knows that winning is a function of all those things that he's getting better at. And yet somehow we are so silly in sales that we just kind of blow it off and say, well, it just doesn't work. I, I swung the ball once. 
didn't hit home, you know? And and we we say, well, it must, you know, we give up so easy. But it's simply a function of focusing on I need to get better. And, and anybody could take a look at just like say the number of calls or emails you have to make in order to connect with a person. You know, could you improve? Could you really improve? I think if any of us looked at it and would say, I'm just gonna focus on one thing, and that's increasing my 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 number of attempts to connection ratio. Sure. Jill Conrath, you can find her online on Twitter, at Jill Conrath. And certainly you want to be a reader of her blog, Fresh Sales Strategies. You can find that at jillconrath.com. You can join one of 125,000 other readers. That's an impressive uh, number in and of itself. You know, this conversation leads me, Jill, to one of my pet peeves in the world. Uh, as a young sales rep in the orthopedics business, one of the things that I did, and I just assume perhaps everybody did this, and I found over the course of three decades, it's it's actually pretty rare. But when I first started with a company, I looked at the top people in every product category, and I got their names and phone numbers, and I picked up the phone and called them and said, how are you doing this? How are you successful? What are the secrets? And was able to really shorten the learning curve dramatically. And what I found is that most people do not do that. You, you talk about this in a number of ways in your book. Give us some details there. Yeah, a lot of people don't ask the the old timers what they're doing, and there's a lot of the wisdom, deep wisdom that you can learn from the old timers, especially about the customers and their issues, and challenges, the market, the industry, the trends. They really have a lot to offer. Many cases, though, if you're a new rep, they're they're missing something that you need. They have oftentimes have long term customers with very deep relationships with, and while that is something that you aspire to, it may not be something that you're going to get for a while because you're the young young one on the block, you know, the new kid who just came in and you're being given the territory that just turned over and it may not be so hot and you have to go out and get a lot of new business. And a lot of times these old timers, while they have the deep knowledge, long-term relationships and the expertise, they're in a very different position than you are in terms of new uh, customer acquisition and what you have to do to be successful. So they're only part of your education, I think, is what we have to look at, just part of your education. One of the chapters in your book really resonated with me as, a, as an ex-sales manager over the years. Uh, chapter 48, your, your title is Purge the Pipeline. And it seems that we as salespeople oftentimes, uh, are, are, <laughs> we're, we're kidding ourselves, aren't we, Jill? Yeah, we are. <laughs> we really are. Talk about purging your pipeline. Oh, purging a pipeline is really just plain getting serious and saying, is this, is this sale really advancing? I mean, the longer somebody is in your pipeline, the less chance you have of getting their business. I remember the first time I heard um, somebody, he was with a company called Dimension at the time, and he analyzed statistical data of length of time in the pipeline. And so every pipeline, every company has a, a sort of a normal pipeline if it's a sales-generated lead or a normal pipeline perhaps if it's a marketing-generated lead. You know, so there's a s- standard, but the longer and further you get from from that standard you know, th- that you have, the the more and more your chances drop off. And so even though, you know, this company may be promising, oh, yeah, yeah, Jill, you know, as soon as the the first of the year comes around, we're going to go. Or, you know, yeah, yeah, my boss is ready to approve it. That's probably not the case if, if, um, if it's going beyond. And so people really need to just put take them off the pipeline and say, look, it'd be nice if they resurface and I'll kind of keep tabs with them. But they ain't real right now. They just plain ain't real. Which, which creates a real problem because, in my experience, the reason most people don't hit their numbers, don't hit their quota, their target, their objective, is because they don't have enough viable opportunities in their pipeline, even though that pipeline looks like it's stuffed full of opportunities. Exactly. The pipeline looks stuffed, and it gives you a false sense of security that you're going to have enough business coming in. But if somebody has gone you know, maybe 30% past the, the normal standard pipeline deviation, then you just have to say got to move them off. They may come back and I'll keep working, but I'm not going to count on them. I think, you know, you have to do it for yourself so you can, so you can, you know, do the right activities that'll enable you to be successful. Cause the longer you delude yourself with this, um, mistaken belief, the, the less chance you have of being successful. Yeah. And I think what you find is that the really great salespeople out there that are long-term consistently successful, uh, they, they live in the real world. I mean, they're, they're working in reality. And so right. they're, they're consistently analyzing that pipeline. Just a couple of minutes before I let you go. And I want to talk about another chapter in your book called Recalibrate Over Coffee. You know, thinking is really highly underrated by average salespeople. 
But the great ones that I've seen, they, they spend a lot of time in introspection and planning. And you touch on that in a number of places, but none more so than in this particular chapter. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that's real personal to me. But every time that I was getting behind, I really had to go out and have myself a good um, coffee, a cup of coffee with myself and get, get real. And that's part of purging the pipeline and saying, what are you not doing? I mean, if you don't do that and you just keep running blindly forward, you will just keep getting blindly nowhere or not where you were trying to go. And the essence is, is reflection is crucial. The ability to stop and say, where am I? What do I need to do? Come on, Jill, get honest with yourself. You know, I mean, they're not really moving or you really don't have enough people in your pipeline to make your goals. What are you going to have to do? And that's that that realistic, you know, that realistic sense of I, I have a job to do and I can't get there unless I am very factual with myself and face into what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. Yes, very factual. I mean, to be clear, we're not talking about some sort of mental gymnastics where we oh. sit down and reason with ourselves. I mean, you're asking some very, very hard questions. What do I need to do to get more prospects or to leverage a relationship? You're look, you're analyzing every piece and part of what drives your business. And many salespeople, Jill, are not willing to have that level of self-reflection. Well, no. Um, and when I was at Xerox in, in, the, in the management development program, I remember um, learning this before I actually became a manager, but that only one out of seven salespeople will naturally self-reflect. And by that, I'm talking about even walking out of a call or hanging up the phone and, and saying, what, what went well during that call? Where did I screw up? You know, what didn't go well? And what do I need to do differently? And only one out of seven will naturally do it. Is everybody capable of it? The answer is yes. Everybody is capable of self-reflection. They maybe have never thought about it, um, or they maybe have not uh, don't like to assume ownership. But as a sales leader, right. you can easily work with your people to do self-reflection at all times to make it more of a habit because people who self-reflect get better faster. Yeah, that's great stuff from Jill Conrath. Folks, don't forget, agility is the new competitive advantage. If you want to be more agile, if you want to be a more agile seller, if you want to learn, adapt, and grow more quickly, highly recommend that you stop right now and pick up a copy of Jill's brand new book, Agile Selling. Jill, great to have you on board. Thanks for joining us in the locker room. Thank you. Truly my pleasure. Oh, love to have you. Hey, we're going to take our second time out. We're going to come back on the other side and we'll be joined by Miles Austin. We're going to talk about a brand new tool that you can use to be more productive as a salesperson, business owner, really doesn't matter. Stick around. You're listening to The Business Locker Room on Voice America. I'll be right back. The business community's first choice in internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One -on -one Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step -step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back, everybody, the Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. You can find me online 
at Kelly Riggs on Twitter, the show that is a fusion in my book, the fusion of collective wisdom. We see a lot of wisdom out there, but it's where it runs smack dab into real world business experience. And we find content that you can use all kinds of great conversations uh, as we go all the way back to, to the very beginning, beginning with Dan Walshmitt, uh of quite a while now. It seems like I think it's 12th. This is our 12th show, Miles. So we go back quite a ways. Miles Austin joining us for the X's and O's segment of our show. Uh, Miles, it, do, it doesn't seem like it's been three months. Oh, sometimes it does, my friend. There's a <laughs> lot that goes into this and a lot more on your part than mine, but I'm enjoying every one of them, believe me. Well, how about how about Jill? I mean, it's just just fantastic stuff that uh, she's putting out there. And I, and I don't know why people wouldn't rush out and grab that book right away. Well, you know what? Uh, I have a lot of people. I do a lot of training for people that are new into sales. And um, one of the questions that inevitably comes up is, what are the books? Who are the people that I should learn from to really get a good base to I start my foundation in selling? Selling to Big Companies, Snap Selling, and now with the addition of Agile Selling, those three books better not only be on your shelf, you better have them bookmarked, earmarked, folded over, and yellow sticky notes throughout them as well as highlights. She's that good. Yeah, you really can't afford not to because uh, chances are one of your competitors may find out. Hey, if you're joining us for the first time, Miles Austin, he's with me every week, and we do a segment called the X's and O's segment where we drag, diagram the plays on the blackboard here in the business locker room, and we're always talking about uh, new tools uh, that you can use to be better at what you do, more productive, and certainly uh, give you an edge over your competition. But first, let me tell you, you can find Miles Austin online at fillthefunnel.com, and you want to be a regular reader, subscribe to his blog. Also, follow him on Twitter, at Miles Austin. This week, Miles, you took me by surprise. No knowledge of this one whatsoever. We're going to talk about a tool called O-Funnel. Tell us a little bit about it. I love to surprise you, Kelly. It's always good to hear. Um, look, all of us in business would love to know everything that's happening with our connections, our competitors, and our prospects. The, the reality is with this new world of big data that we live in and social selling and social media, we have that capability if we learn how to harness it. So uh, again, for all the listeners, go write this down. It's O, the letter O, funnel.com. O-Funnel gives you the ability without, once you set this up, to get alerts sent to you. And I'll just use three examples. Uh, I'll get an alert when one of my competitors that I've identified expands their network on LinkedIn, let's say, or Twitter. I'll get an alert when someone in my network meets someone at a company that I might be targeting. I'm doing some work, initial work with the people at Nike. When someone in my network makes a new connection through social media at Nike, I get an alert that says, hey, Kelly is now a friend of Bob Smith at Nike. That's helpful to know. Another example, one more, and then we'll get into this a little bit, is when I get an alert when someone in my network meets someone that I want to get to know. Maybe they're a prospect or someone that's an influencer that I want to get connected with. So when, as an example, when someone in my network makes a new connection with this guy called Kelly Riggs, I'm going to get an alert that tells me that. All of those are actionable items that I can now act on, react to, and start to do more with. Yeah, I love their marketing tag. They say, Google alerts for relationships. And, you know, in, in the world of sales, Miles, in the world of business, clearly everyone agrees that business, especially the sales end of it, is about relationships. And with the technological revolution that has happened in the last dozen years, it's really gotten out of hand. I mean, there's so many tools. And one of the things that O'Funnel is talking about is why should you have to go to 10 or 12 or 15 different platforms to try to develop these relationships? And they're really seeking to be a single source platform to build your relationship patterns. They are, Kelly. And I think, you know, for all the listeners that have been listening, either for this is the first show or back to that first show that we did together, and everywhere in between, the constant theme of the tools that I talk about is they're able to give you scale or further reach, and you can do it all in an automated way. The key part of this is you need to understand what you need to do, right? right. That's the part that I don't do with these tools. You need to know through your work and, and Jill's and others. Okay, I should, I need to know these things. These tools just give you the ability to get that information fast, 
efficiently with very little work on your part. The key then is, okay, now that I'm getting this information, now what do I do with it? And that's when it goes back to you and to Jill and Dan Walshman and all the other great guests that you've had on. They then will help you understand now that I got the information, what do I go do with it? Well, you know, even in the production of the show that we do, I, I am always looking for guests that I believe will drive content on the show. And I immediately see an application for O Funnel because there's people out there that I may be trying to reach out to have no connection with them whatsoever. Well, I could track them down through LinkedIn and try to do various things. But if I set them up, as I understand it, if I set it up in O Funnel right, I, I can kind of keep track of who they're moving and, and meeting with and who they're connecting to. Eventually, they find someone that's in my network or someone that I know about, and it enables me to make that connection a little bit easier. Am I understanding you correctly? 100% correct. And I think it's one of the benefits, Kelly. A lot of times people always ask me about platforms like LinkedIn. Well, is it really worthwhile to have a big network? This is an example why you should always grab as many connections as you possibly can that have any remote possibility of being a connection or a benefit to you down the road. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, and, and connections are one thing, but clearly relationships are quite different. But it, very much, uh, I'm sure Jill would concur, in the world of selling, you're, you're trying to turn a cold call into a warm call. I'm, I, I want to get introduced uh, to a Miles Austin because uh, you know, someone knows you and they they connect us. Uh, th this is kind of like that. It's a way of connecting people in a way that that puts you on the radar with them, and you can find the easiest way to enter into them. I, I mean, see, I see tremendous application on the sales side, Kelly. It is, and yet, you know, this is an example where LinkedIn is a platform. It's a great base level, but I always encourage my clients: don't you dare stop there, because once you build your base within LinkedIn. There are so many tools, and many of which we'll be talking about in the weeks ahead, that leverage what you now have as a base within LinkedIn and go further. By the way, um, since I wrote about Old Funnel um, a while back on uh, fillthefunnel.com, uh, which you can go find and search for it, and you'll find the review, they've now added Twitter as an additional platform. So, I mean, just think about the ability. Now, all of these things you've been doing on social media are now going to be able to start giving you information automatically about the people and the accounts and the companies most important to whatever your business activities are. All right, let's draw it up on the chalkboard then, Miles. How do you make this thing work? Tell us about investment costs, those kinds of things. Well, there, there's a bunch. I would, I would encourage you to just go to Old Funnel because there's several different ways to approach the cost standpoint. So, But let me just step you through it. You go First of all, you go into Old Funnel, you create your account, Go through the trial if you'd like. Then you sign in and you connect your LinkedIn account. And now you can connect your Twitter account to your funnel account. Next step, step three, if you will, is you're going to now enter the accounts that you want to monitor. Those are the companies that you want to monitor, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have five accounts that are on your target list, let's say, and you just go through and you repeat that five accounts or 10 accounts more. You just keep going through that process. Then you're going to set up within those accounts, you're going to set up the same thing. But instead of companies or, or, or accounts, you're going to set up people that are really instrumental. They might be the decision makers. They might be the influencers or they might be those that are connected. The other one that I think is really intriguing and it's always a little bit people always get a little uncomfortable, but do the same thing from a competitive standpoint. You literally when you were wondering if you're the only company responding to this bid or this RFP or maybe just an opportunity that you've uncovered and you're using a funnel properly and some one of your competitors all of a sudden makes a connection to the person that you're engaged with, guess what? The odds are pretty good. They're using it, right? Absolutely. So once you've got all that set up, then automatically you get a daily summary email to you that shows all of the activities of those connections in what you set up and what's happened in their world in the last 24 hours. You're listening to the X's and O's segment here in the business locker room. And it is made possible, by the way, by our good friends at 4D Sales, a sales tool that both Miles and I use. And I want to introduce them to you as our sponsor. 4D Sales is a tablet-based sales tool available for iPad and Windows 8 devices. And it really helps salespeople present information in, a, in an interactive, visually appealing way that's absolutely 
compelling it. In fact, uh, I've begun using it as as has Miles, and I've I've been in this business for a very long time, Miles, almost thirty years, and I will say that 4D sales is truly that one easy-to-use sales tool that will not only amplify but accelerate your sales team's ability to sell more business and and in doing so represent you much more consistently. I I, I think back to what Jill was talking about in terms of agility. This is a tool that's going to make you more agile, certainly. It puts all of your presentation materials in one place, price list, brochures, PDFs, slide decks, web pages, videos, you name it. It's all right there on your iPad or your Windows 8 tablet. It's all available, easily disseminated and distributed to your to your prospect as you go from a web page to a PDF to a video seamlessly. And it is a fantastic tool. And thanks to 40 Sales for making the X's and O's segment possible. Hey, before I let you go, Miles, I, I get this question more and more today. I mean, the tools, some of the tools that we talk about, I mean, it's almost like cyber stalking. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's, you really gain an awful lot of intelligence. But what I tell people is, you know, I think you're looking at it wrong because all of this intelligence uh, w- was critical 20 years ago. We just didn't have the tools for it. I mean, we were still looking for connections and relationships and finding out a, a referral that would connect us to somebody we're trying to meet in a company. It is very much like that. But how often do you run across someone who gets worried about, you know, it's a little creepy? Well, I, you, know, you hear it all the time. And I think there there is always, you know, good common sense should always prevail, right? Um, think, don't don't share things and don't use things that your conscience or your sense of ethics um, are going to be challenged. But to your point, Kelly, it's spot on. Everything that I'm sharing you, I've done all of these things manually. Yes. It, what what now using something like O Funnel might take me 15 minutes of setup and then an automatic feed every day might have taken me two or three months in the past to break through to get that new contact. I'm trying to get to that senior VP to be able to get that first meeting. And I'm trying to work my connections and see who knows him or her. And we've done all the same things. If I ever suggest to you or to your listeners, a product that is questionable ethically, um, that makes someone push their limits, then by all means, two things, call me on it. And second of all, don't use that tool. But all these tools do is take all of the information that as experienced professionals know we should do and just automates it and does it for you behind the scenes. The power of this is by using these tools, in theory, we should be out making more contacts, selling more products, helping more customers achieve their goals. And if we do it in that way, then we're using it properly, and I think we'll be very successful. Absolutely right. It's it's not the tool, it's the way we use it. But folks, make no mistake, agility is the new competitive advantage. Hey, Miles, thanks very much. Good stuff. Ofunnel.com, make sure you check them out. And uh, thanks to uh, Miles uh, for joining us in the X's and O's segment. We're going to take our final time out, and we'll come back on the other side, and I'll share an article with you that I read recently about leadership. I think you're going to find it interesting. Stay with us. You're listening to The Business Locker Room on Voice America. I'm Kelly Riggs. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. to the business locker room. Turn my mic off. Thanks for joining us. Great to have you. Hey, uh, you may have noticed if you're a regular listener, poor Miles, he, uh, he's been struggling a bit with allergies and uh, some challenges with his voice. So we're really encouraging him to go out and get better. Miles, uh, take a trip to the doctor, my friend. But great to have you on board. Always good stuff. Remember the tool, ofunnel.com. And uh, thanks, uh, great thanks to Jill Conrath for joining us. Uh, make sure you find her book, Agile Selling. I saw an article this past week as uh, we wrap up the show today, I want to talk a little bit about it. It was called Why Good Managers Are So Rare. It was published uh, in the HBR blog network, Harvard Business Review, on March the 13th. And I, j- I just found it interesting because uh, clearly finding the right manager, whether you're a sales manager or a manager of any kind, someone who's responsible for employees, it's just absolutely critical to find people who are effective as leaders who are effective with people, uh, who understand how to develop people, to communicate effectively. There's so much to being a good manager, but leadership is a critical cornerstone piece of that. Gallup has found that companies fail to choose the right person for the position of manager over 80% of the time. Imagine that. Uh, They estimate the cost to businesses in the billions of dollars each year. And if you're a small to medium-sized business, you recognize that turnover at the employee level is is enough of a problem. But turnover, finding the wrong person, getting the wrong person as a manager and having to turn that position, uh, that's a whole nother problem. Especially when you begin to understand that only about one in three employees are actually engaged at work. They're bought in, they believe uh, they're emotionally connected. They love what they do. Those people are are hard to find. Two out of three employees basically are not engaged, or in some cases, uh, as many as fifteen percent of all employees are actively disengaged. Meaning, uh, they're they're the toxic part of your culture. These are the people uh, that are creating real problems inside the the workplace, and it's created by ineffective managers. So I, I read this article with great interest. And it says, uh, quote, if great managers seem scarce, it's because the talent required to be one is rare. And I'm not sure I agree with that at all. I I believe that certainly it takes a lot of skill. There are skill sets that make for great managers. And for instance, the skills that make for a great salesperson do not make a great sales manager. Those are a different set of skills. But in each case, whether you're talking about selling or sales management, those are skills that can be learned and developed and grown. And, and I don't know that they're scarce. In I think they're scarce in finding them in managers because they're not getting those skills taught to them in, in the same way that many salespeople are not good because they're not getting selling skills taught to them. But Gallup in their research, according to this article, finds that great managers have these talents. And this part I would agree with. I think that On the other hand, many of these can be accounted for in terms of training and development. A couple of them cannot, uh, but we'll talk about that. Uh, Number one, they motivate every single employee to take action and engage them with a compelling mission and vision. Now, I know that I can train managers to engage people with a compelling mission and vision, but the reality is, is that the vast majority of managers don't have compelling mission or vision statements, or understand where they're going or why, and they're certainly not communicating that to the employees that work for them. That indeed is a huge problem. Uh, Is it an innate sort of thing? I don't think so. I I think that you can teach people to do that. Number two, they have the assertiveness to drive outcomes and the ability to overcome adversity and resistance. Wholeheartedly agree with that. Assertiveness and the ability to overcome adversity may be something that is innate. It may be. I, I think you can you can train people and teach people to uh, encounter barriers that, that they that exist in certain ways and perhaps train them to have some level uh, of um, assertiveness. But perhaps that's an innate thing. They number three, they create a culture of clear accountability. 
That I can tell you for a fact is a process that can be taught, something we do quite often. But very, very few managers have learned how. They don't know how to create that culture of clear accountability. Number four, they build relationships with their employees that create trust, open dialogue, and create full transparency. And certainly we find that as a deficiency over and over. But can you learn how? I think so. I really do. And number five, they make decisions that are based on productivity, not politics. Now, decision-making as a, as a talent is a real thing. Many times people are not good decision-makers, but being able to make decisions based on certain criteria like productivity instead of politics, again, I think you can teach that. But I found this article to be very, very interesting, and I uh, want to give credit, by the way. Again, the article is Why Good Managers Are So Rare by Randall Beck and James Harder. It was published on March 13. 2014 and HBR blog network. Uh, good article. I encourage you to read it if you have an interest in leadership. But I uh, will soon be publishing uh, a post, uh, a blog post, five reasons why your company, your company consistently produces ineffective leaders. And the number one reason is you don't train them. You promote them for all the wrong reasons. You, you don't train them well. You don't create expectations for what their role is and how they're going to do things. And I think companies really put themselves in a box, they create most of the problems simply because they're not preparing people to be good managers. Here's another example of that, one of the reasons why companies consistently produce ineffective leaders. As, as managers of managers, as the boss, the owner of the company, the executive, the CEO, the president, I don't make people development a priority for the managers. I have them focused on goals and objectives and managing processes perhaps and you know, creating schedules and budgets and reports and all of those kinds of things. But teams get better when individual team members get better. And I will promise you that individual team members get better when you teach your managers how to do that. You make it a priority, and it's a part of their compensation plan. What gets paid gets done, I can assure you. But clearly, you have to have the skills, the know-how. You have to develop those skills and that knowledge that will enable you to be a better leader. Well, it's, it's uh, something we'll talk about much more in the future. And I have guests coming down the line in which we're going to talk about leadership at, at uh, a much deeper level than even this. Hey, next week, T.A. McCann will join us. T.A. McCann, we were introduced to way back when Miles introduced a brand new product, a tool to us called Rival IQ. And I've had the opportunity to have some conversations with T.A. We're going to have him on the show talk about his journey, some of the things he's done in terms of leading companies and starting companies. I think you'll find that conversation absolutely compelling. And in two weeks, John Spence will join me. And my friends, that's a must-listen uh, show if we've ever had one, and we've had a number of them. In fact, I would suggest to you all of them are must-listen shows. But John Spence wrote a book called Awesomely Simple, and he is simply awesome. And we'll have him on the show in a couple of weeks. And, of course, Miles will be along with uh, more tools for us to talk about. It is the Business Locker Room, and uh, we continue to line up some great, great guests to have with us. And I want to uh, end the show by thanking, again, 40 Sales for doing for su such a great job in sponsoring us and giving us the tool that we use, both Miles and I, that has been fantastic. We're going to talk about it more because we see it as something that can really give your salespeople an advantage in the marketplace. Thanks to Michael Sergeant. He's on the other side of the glass managing our show. Special thanks to Brandy Jackson. She's our executive producer, and she makes our show possible. We're excited. We wrap up our first quarter with Voice America, and we are on the way back for another year. We like what we're doing with Voice America, and we're going to stick around. So thanks for being a part of the show. I'm Kelly Riggs. You can find us at bizlockerroom.com. Make sure you join us next week. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business-building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of The Business Locker Room. 